before anybody asks, before anybody's like, well, why didn't you talk about this? I, I don't know why anybody would sound like this who listens to our show. But uh, we are aware that there is a new Arthur digital short. It has not been released in Canada yet, though. So, uh, I don't know. We're, you know. we're recording this on a Wednesday. We're still waiting for it. It's new yeah. Arthur content, and we'd like to talk about it because we are Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. We can't talk about it if we can't actually watch it. So, if you are if you live in America, great. It seems that they love you more than us here in Canada, but uh, we can't talk about what we haven't seen yet, so I'm just getting that right out of the way. Write your public broadcaster uh, uh, about this injustice and let them know that your favorite uh, Arthur episodic podcast is unable to see the new Arthur content. We will we will we will talk about it once we're able once we're able to see it, which will hopefully be very soon. They tend to go with a Thursday release schedule for the podcast and stuff like that. But, you know, they said that the they said that it was going to come out on Monday and I've been checking their, you know, their social medias and they've been linking me to the pbskids.org media player, which as we've mentioned before, mm-hmm. it doesn't work in our region and even if it did, it's, it's not, not very great. Good. Yeah, no, no not good. <laughs> so Sorry, if you were looking for us to talk about that. Unfortunately, we can't yet, but we are gathered here together, uh, myself, Will Young, and my co-host, Lucas Mancini, for the beginning of a new Arthur season. We're into season 17. Season 17, our uh, our watch of Arthur is old enough to drive. They've been old enough to drive for a year. Mm-hmm. And they're one year away from being able to buy fireworks and BB guns. And to vote. And to vote. And to be drafted. But <laughs> besides that, uh, I don't know. I don't think there's any big milestones when you're 17. You don't even get a sweet 17 at 16. No, and it's true for the it's true for the season as well, as we'll briefly get into before we talk about the actual episode. Uh, so yeah, thank you for joining us here. It is the start of a new Arthur season. Uh, and I'll just quickly remind you, of course, that if you're listening to this um, on the free feed, then you can find out about our feelings about season 16, which was the first, and I'm using air, air quotes now, Flash animated season of Arthur. Mm. Uh, you can find out about our thoughts in full as well as our top five episodes right now over on the free feed. If you're listening to this on Patreon, well, you've been able to do that a little bit earlier than the free feed has. And on the free feed, that season 16 recap is also paired with our latest episode of For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, which is our premium Patreon podcast. One of two premium Patreon podcasts. Uh, We're pushing P on our (laughs) premium Patreon podcast. Um, So make sure that you check that out. It's all about peeping the big wide world. Some good feedback from that episode, and we had a good time doing it. Later on in this episode, we'll be talking about the next premium podcast coming out on our Patreon, our next PPP. It's going to be another episode of ECL Origins. And to say we're excited about it is an understatement. It's another one that is very near and dear to our hearts, but we will talk about that very soon. So there's been plenty to catch up on since the end of season 16 and in between. So if whether you're a patron or whether you're on the free feed, make sure to check that out. Now, Lucas, I hate to put you on the spot here, but the people, the the, the streets are wondering, I gotta ask, have you checked out what is one of the more controversial episodes of Arthur as a whole. So funny, I forgot to laugh. Oh, I no, I didn't yet. I ah. uh, and I and I talk about. I had a busy weekend, and so I only just barely uh, was able to get in my top five on time. Um, I think I'm going to record a little like ECL mini episode uh, for you to put in the feed. Will about so funny. I got to laugh. Uh, forgot to laugh. Whenever I get to it, because I've been told, but little birdies have let me know that it is a uh, must see Arthur Ep. Um, but you'll have to wait eagerly for my thoughts because I haven't had time to put them out yet or watch the app. 
All right. I it's you know I think everybody everybody really enjoyed the guest spot. Although again, apologies for the audio quality. This time I made sure that I'm not recording off my laptop mic. It's not the only time that has happened. If you're a true ECL old head, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed talking about it with Cash. Really interested to see what you think. So uh, yeah, you'll be hearing from Lucas soon about that, and us soon about the <laughs> the new uh, digital shorts. So uh, hang on, we 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 do hear you, and we will get there. Speaking of we hear you, well, I've already mentioned the Patreon, so allow me to take a minute to thank those patrons who are throwing us a buck or more a month. Really, it's pay what you want over at patreon.com slash Limits. We have lovely people such as Ian, Collis, and Teresa. People like Riley Stevens, thank you. We have Sierra S. and Lily W. Thank you to Sydney Long and to Vanessa. Thank you, Anthony Williams. Thank you to Richard Mortimer and Ricardo A. Soto. Thank you to Jack and Jared G. Thank you to Nehemiah Unamuk and to Oscar Vest. And thank you to our newest patron, Quantum Wave. And thank you to Hannah Lee as well. Patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. If you haven't heard your name in a while, please let me know. I have the Excel spreadsheet in front of me so that I don't forget anybody. And speaking of hearing from people, we are going over to the mailbag. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. There have been a couple that have been waiting in the wings for Lucas's return to the show. So let's talk about them. Our first one comes in from Zara. It says, Hi, Will and Lucas. I just listened to episode 193, which is... Oh, I... Oh, I hate I hate the numbering. <laughs> this is not this is not a real complaint. This is a uh, I sometimes don't like the way I organize things. So if it doesn't have mm. the the title in there, so I'm just. But this is why I keep and I have a notepad document of the Elwood City Limits episode guide for just such things. Episode one ninety three about Buster's book battle and on the Buster scale. So Zara says they've listened. They've had vivid flashbacks to my time in Catholic school during the mid two thousands to early twenty tens. Although I am someone who loves reading, I hated the AR program as it made reading become competitive. And like Buster, I found myself reading books to rack up points and then not remembering anything from the book. I don't think our school had prizes or anything for reading. I believe we had to pass a certain number of tests in order to get credit for our literature class. I also remember that you had to take a test that would tell you what your reading level was. For example, in the fifth grade, I had a reading level of an eighth grader and was penalized for reading books that were scored as being below my reading level, which was frustrating. My favorite book at the time was Beastly by Alex Flynn, and that book was scored a 3.9, which meant that the reading level was for third graders in their ninth month. Looking back, it's definitely a YA novel, and why it had that reading level score still makes no sense to me. I think a lot of kids that struggled with reading felt frustrated under the program because many of the books they liked to read didn't count. Anyway, thanks so much for hosting the podcast. It has been a godsend for me while going through grad school. Zara is not the only one, Lucas, who has had very lingering negative thoughts about the Mm. AR program or the competitive reading programs that many people did in elementary. Well, I I definitely don't like it when there's no prizes involved because when there's a prize, um, you know, as the kind of carrot at the end of the stick to do this, you should treat it as a competition with yourself, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's mm-hmm. less about competing with your peers and more like, oh, I'll read as many books as I like um, and and try and rack up some points. But when the only thing on the table is bragging rights, I can yeah. see that uh, expedite some of these problems our listeners are talking about here. It can definitely create a complex or foster a complex uh, when you make things kind of a competition. Some some children thrive under competition. Some of them love it. Others, like me, not a competitive person. So I imagine if I had this program, I could I would probably have similar feelings. Our next one's from Ingrid. Hi, Will and Lucas. I listened to your episode on the Pride of Lakewood, which is the episode about the LPC, and I'd like to talk about it. There's a lot to say about that episode. You may not have known this, but the episode was based on the third wave. Here's a bit of history for you. The third wave was an experiment done in the 1960s by a high school history teacher who was teaching his class about the Holocaust. His students were stumped as to why so many Germans were so compliant to everything going on. So he did an exercise in class that simulated fascism, but it worked a little too well. The students fell for it, hook, line, and sinker, and the whole thing got out of hand. Students were harming each other outside of class because of the teacher's exercise. At the end of the week, the teacher had to shut it down. There are a 
few movies and books about this. I'm familiar with it because of a short movie called The Wave, which I watched in high school sociology class. One of you mentioned that you were reading Mouse, and the episode reminded you of it. Well, that's not a coincidence. Uh, my thoughts on the episode, uh, you can't fully understand the episode without already being familiar with the third wave. Number two, it tried to be too much at once. It tried to be similar to the wave while also trying to teach the lessons to be learned by the experiment while also trying to be 11 minutes long and family friendly. There's a lot that can be learned from the third wave. I believe it's possible for complicated ideas to be simplified and taught to children. I do not think this episode sticks the landing. That's from Ingrid. I believe the term the third wave is certainly familiar to me and I'm sure I've heard about it before, but I didn't have that at front of mind while we were watching the episode. So good looking out for that. And uh, yes, I, that sounds like something that there's probably at least one or two movies of at this point. Yeah. Similar to like the Stanford prison experiment or something like that. Something mm -hmm. I learned about in sociology class, but I've never heard of this third wave. Interesting. I think this, this is a due for a Wikipedia read. Yes, big time. Last one here is from Cecil. Hey, Will and Lucas, congrats on making it to season 17. I enjoyed the season recap and hearing both of y'all's thoughts. I recently re-listened to your episode on So Funny I Forgot to Laugh. I really love the discussion between Will and Cash and appreciate your thoughts. I am the rare defender of that episode as I really appreciate the moral and I think it's effective at it. Arthur is acting out of character, which to me hammers at home. Anyone can be a bully, including your friends. Admitting that you have been a bully can be really difficult, especially when you yourself have been the victim of bullying. What's important is learning from it and genuinely apologizing and reflecting on yourself. This can happen to anyone, even a kid usually as sweet as Arthur. All this to say, while I wouldn't rank it as a favorite episode for the episode alone, I do think the discussion and differing opinions make it one make it an important episode at the very least. I even remember debating with my older sister about it as a kid. She is still not a fan, lol. Season 16 is interesting for me, both from my memory of it as a child and now as someone who knows way more about animation and can view Arthur through an adult lens. It's the only time I was able to tell Arthur's voice actor changed, and the only time my oblivious self really noted the animation change. Season 16 and 17 are the last seasons I watched as a kid before being, quote, too old to watch PBS Kids. As a kid, it bothered me enough that I remember complaining about it to my older sister, talking about the the episode or the season, I should say, but not enough to stop watching. One thing about season seven, season sixteen, excuse me, that I feel is that it's so heavily looked down on by a lot of fans because of the animation, which, while understandable, I do think it's a little unfair. Since I agree with you guys that the writing is still good overall. Uh, it's still Arthur. While I too really miss the old animation, I also was able to get used to the Flash animation enough. Also, I'd like to talk about the newest Arthur short real quick. Uh, I don't think there's any spoilers here. Uh, so, so uh, Cecil, you're technically the first person to talk about this on the show. Congratulations. I thought, Cecil says, that it was delightful. I'm glad Arthur continues to talk about things that impact kids, and kids still have Arthur to be relevant and a source of comfort. I've had a few rough weeks partially due to mental health, and I'm so happy that this short exists telling kids it's okay and understandable to be worried about all that's happening in the world. What's important is that they talk about it. Um, love the show as always. Here's to season 17. That's from Cecil. So a lot there. Um, Lucas, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be 100 here on the podcast. I was like, you got to watch So Funny I Forgot to Laugh. Maybe not the best day ever, but I will say... <laughs> it it's it would have been in, it would have been interesting to see like I, I I pretty much told and it's true like see uh the best day ever is basically a clip show but boy is it weird and not in a great way that to see mm. like the current animation and the old animation so I honestly don't think that would be a great way for you to leave the season because we've finally warmed up to the way that Arthur is yeah. now in the timeline I don't think we need to be reminded of the way that it was you know, I and you know me well. Like I, I'm starting to get just beat down. I'm acclimating to the Flash <laughs> era, um, and being reminded of what we once have, what we once had. It's gonna like, it's it's gonna be like waking up from like the Inception machine or something. I'm gonna go <gasps> and and realize, oh no, I'm trapped in this Flash animation world. But for now, I'm uh, happily asleep. I've taken the blue pill. Uh, I have accepted our, our Flash animation, our motion tweed overlord. Yes, so have I. And let us continue on because that will not be changing anytime soon. As we start Arthur season 17, there's not really anything to be said about this. It's a fairly typical season. It aired from November 2013 to May 2014. 
and it is still being produced by Nine Story Media Group. There are going to be some voice actor changes next season. For right now, uh, I'm guessing that, as we know, uh, especially in the more modern years, Arthur seasons tended to be produced two at a time, so I'm guessing this was probably in tandem with 16, where the voice actors are largely the same. So, coming out of the season recap and... Everything, like all the goodwill that we had started with and really ended with in season 16. Some of the episodes in 16 I thought were really, really strong just overall in the grand scheme of the show. So starting out with Show Off. Oh my goodness, I think you're, there's something wrong with your computer. There's some sort of weird noise. Not only just Show Off, Will... Let's let's get ahead of the 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 dog in the room, not the elephant in the room. Not <laughs> the only dog did and the they baby did, in the room. Yeah, the dog and the baby in the room. Not only did they they start off a new season after we were like, wow, season sixteen was actually kind of the best season of Arthur in a really long time. This yeah. is Arthur's firing on all cylinders. This is great. We start with not one but two oh. dog and baby episodes, a full twenty two oh. minutes. 26 minutes if you count the for the kids of dogs and babies. Uh, I was dismayed when I learned what these two episodes were about, Will. Yeah, so if you happen to be just joining us recently, perhaps, um, we... It's not, you know, I think that there are a lot of shows out there that tend to, like, try and create their own, like, memes. They tend to they try they like go out of their way to try to create inside jokes and a lot of times the successful ones that do that like they those people are comedians and while you know i think lucas is very funny uh and i try to be funny we are not professional comedians so a lot of times our bits often often are starting from the very early um, part of the show, so like the animal hierarchy and all those mm. that kind of stuff, bagged milk that we still get and all that sort of stuff. One of the ones that has been more modern because it continues to happen despite our wishes is the dog and baby episodes. By which I mean, and this is this is not a flash thing. This started many many seasons ago, where the episodes are focused around Pal and Kate and usually other animals and other babies. And we've talked about it before as like these episodes come across. Um, I think a couple of seasons ago, we described it as like Arthur trying to do Rugrats, which I don't typically like. It's not to say that all of them are bad full stop. It's just that it's those episodes start with a deficit because I'm just I'm just not interested in it. And we'll get into it as this episode goes along. There are just elements well, of it that we tend to dislike. And I, I just don't want us to necessarily relitigate all of the different complaints because it's just not our favorite part of Arthur. Uh, I, I, saying it's, it starts with a deficit is, is a really good way to put it. And that deficit being Arthur and the gang. The show's called Arthur. And so when we focus on the dog and the baby, it's not just that, oh, we have a whole episode focusing on Kate and Pal. It's that when we're in a dog and baby episode, unlike when we're, for instance, focused on the preschoolers, DW and her gang, um, they could understand all the other characters and we get dialogue and moments with all the other characters. But when we're focused with the dog and the baby, because part of the way these episodes operate is that um, everybody else talks in nonsense language, uh, you know, kind of a la Charlie Brown's parents, we don't spend any time with anybody else. And so not only are we spending time with, with Pal and Kate, which is whatever, um, even in sub DW episodes, we get a little bit of Arthur here and there. And the show's called Arthur will in case you've forgotten. Um, so that's <laughs> what I think makes these a really, uh, a tougher pill to swallow. Yeah. And it's, I've said before, one of my favorite endearing things about Arthur as a show is that when it's at its best, there's no other show that is doing that is doing the things or saying the things that Arthur is saying to its audience. The worst, or re- rather I should say, when it's not at its best, is when it feels like it's trying to be another show. And so with this, it's like, oh, like Rugrats. Obviously in Rugrats, the animals don't talk, but it's just like, ugh, same difference. So, okay. This is a premiere episode, first one, it's called Show Off, and we start with Princess Kate and her jester pal, he's got like the little jester hat on, um, are doing the Snow White bit, where Kate is 
asking Mirror Mirror on the wall who's the fi- who's the cutest in the land, and they are surprised to find out that the mirror considers Killer and this other dog to be the cutest in the land. And literally, like I did, I did the big performative groan. My only note for this cold open was groan. I just wrote groan because it was because it's how I felt. I was just like, oh man, this is the start of your season. Uh, and I'm groaning as well because this is our introduction of this new other dog character, this poodle, who, for all intents and purposes, is the exact same character as Nemo. Mm. Uh, for longtime listeners, these dog and baby episodes often featured Nemo as the antagonist. He's kind of a Squidward type, you know, kind of a pompous, uh, narcissistic, thinks he's above it all. He's, he's uh, a bit more. He's a bit more malicious than Squidward. He, yeah, he's, 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 he's like Squilliam. He's like Squilliam fancy yeah, pants. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, this this poodle is basically doing the exact same bit. So now these dog and baby episodes have two of these characters. Well, you'll be pleased to know this is the only time that this dog appears, and I believe that's for a very good reason, which we'll get into once we introduce him proper to the story. So the idea behind this one is that Amigo, who is the dog of Alberto, who lives next door, the Molinas, uh, is getting ready for the Weagle Bandalic Dog Show. And Pal initially finds this kind of funny, like openly laughs at him, but then thinks that maybe Kate suggests that maybe Pal could enter it as well and convinces Pal to enter. And again, this is speaking of relitigating territory. We went into this in the first dog and baby episode. I very early on in this show, I really loved Pal. I loved the episodes about Pal when he didn't talk because I think that Pal is a very expressive character and you often don't need to tell stories with him speaking because he does just as well with his little cute face. And then you introduce the idea of like, well, actually, Pal kind of talks like an, if, an effete British man. And I'm like, oh, I hate that. I hated that when I was a kid. And I still hate it. I just, I really hate Pal's personality because he goes from being like this lovable little golden retriever question mark, which we'll talk about in the second part. But this lovable little puppy who is, you know, can be a foil sometimes with how rambunctious he can be into like a completely different character type than you would expect. And I just don't think it fits. It's uh, it's like trying to put Mr. Ratburn into Pal and it's not I, I, I never liked it and I don't like it here. Um, it's it's like if if Bluey talked like Dr. Fraser Crane. <laughs> well, that actually might make me watch the show. <laughs> If Kelsey Grammer was Bluey, oh, dude, I would, I would, I would already be watching it. I would have already watched the whole thing. Just, uh, oh, oh, bingo! <laughs> this is the worst. This is the worst scheme you've ever thought of. Just get the whole Fraser cast. Ah, oh, it's right there. It's it's uh, uh, Kelsey Grammer, David Hyde Pierce. Oh, we can't get uh, the father though. He's he's passed away. Um, and then um, Daphne as as the mother. Ah, oh, perfect. Bluey Fraser, Lucas, you're a genius. Um, so the uh, so now Pal is trying to make sure that he stays in top condition, and that means uh, eating less than he normally does. And we see a couple of food temptations for pal so dw offers him uh her bacon for breakfast because the scrambled eggs and the bacon are touching so she doesn't want them anymore uh then buster comes to the door and he's got a full-on it's like he's doing a catering job he's got a full plate of leftover roast beef that he just offers to pal complete with like the roast beef skewer like he looks like he just came from the golden corral (laughs) <laughs> maybe and yeah it's 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 leftovers from like a party they had and he just comes he brought that there he didn't even have like a dome on it or anything it was not sealed he was just open carrying roast beef down the street like any bird could have gotten to it or dog mm, mm, mm. and and his final temptation is carpet crumbs but he manages to stave that off and the pal and amigo uh go to enter and they run afoul of this snooty poodle, as you've mentioned, Lucas, his name is Sebastian Winkleplotz, the rare <laughs> dog with a last name. Now, as we as we come to find out at the end of the episode, Sebastian Winkleplotz is voiced by Scottish film and musical actor Alan Cumming. 
If that name sounds familiar, you may have seen him in movies like GoldenEye, X-Men 2, he was Nightcrawler, the Spy Kids movies, if you're a musical head, he was in Cabaret. He's a very, like, prominent Scottish-slash-UK actor, and he's, he's, like, he's really good. So here he is. It's, 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 it's not quite the Philip Seymour Hoffman role, because he's not playing a version of himself, unless you consider that maybe he's just himself as a dog. It's just completely out of nowhere, very, it's 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 a little injection that this episode needed to at least be a little bit memorable. It's like, oh, that's the episode with Alan Cumming. But, as we find out, neither Amigo nor Pal can enter the dog show because neither of them are purebreds. Amigo is a mix of bulldog and boxer, and Arthur's not even sure what Pal is a mix of. Like, I'm guessing... Like, he, al- he always is physically coded as a golden retriever, but, you know, I don't know what other what other breeds he could be. I'm not I'm not the best at dog breeds, so if, listener, if you have any idea what Pal's breed could be, like, let us know. Uh, I'd be very interested for uh, the DNA of Pal, the concoction that makes Pal who he is. At this point, I'm starting to get, my neck is starting to hurt in this episode, Will, because I'm trying to follow, okay, where what is the moral center of, of this episode and each the prospect of each new one has me worried right at first i was like okay are we doing this weird like body positivity is like uh uh staving off like the food temptation like is that where this episode's going no that's not where the episode's going we just had some gags with the food then i i my head is turned the other way and i'm like okay are we gonna do this weird uh maybe i'm giving these dog and baby episodes way too much credit but i was like is this gonna be a <laughs> weird so. like racial metaphor because he's not purebred? that's the thing that's where i thought this was going because i keep trying to be like okay like what is the driving element of this trajectory and we're already eight minutes in of a you know 10 minute arthur episode 14 minute arthur arthur episode so it's like okay when are we going to get to the main plot here um, and on both fronts, I was completely wrong. The, so the main, the, the, yeah, the main, the main plot is that, so Pal and Amigo can't enter, and now they are enemies with Sebastian Winkle plots, so they convince Grandma Thora's dog, Killer, which, to be honest, I think I said in the show, like, I figured Killer was done, like, I didn't think we'd see her ever again, uh, to enter, and Killer can enter because she is a purebred Jack Russell Terrier, which wasn't my guess from the way that she's drawn, but okay, if they say so. She's a bit more pink than I tend to, you know, Jack Russell Terriers are like Wishbone, and I wouldn't say that she necessarily looks like Wishbone. Or, or the dog from Frasier. <laughs> yeah, ooh, Eddie! Oh, oh <laughs> R.I.P. Eddie, we love you. Yeah, bringing the Frasier. Yes, I'm all for it. Uh, the purebred Jack Russell Terrier, and she was, her parents were show dogs as well, and she has it in her blood, apparently, but doesn't, has no interest in doing it. She's also very rough around the edges. Like, Killer is a character where she has a very, like, not tiny, but she has a, a more, a softer voice, but is also very um, aggressive and rough around the edges. R-U-F-F around the edges. So they do convince her to enter. They convince Grandma Thora to enter the contest, and it comes down to Sebastian and Killer. And the conflict is that Killer has to work very, very hard to not be as aggressive as she usually is. And Sebastian has a plan for that. He distracts Killer with a toy mouse during the competition, and it works. She attacks the toy mouse and destroys it. But Pal has his own distraction, and that is leftover roast beef, which... Sebastian goes absolutely nuts for, and I gotta like I gotta say, Alan Cumming, as a voice actor, he's like he's he's the definition of a pro, even as a dog, not a dog person, a dog. He's he's giving it socks as as the as people in the UK say, and he is giving it his all, being very nefarious but also very uh, face facing forward. You know, we've had a lot of um, voice actors that are very uh, monotone because they are mm. not actors or right. just like not giving it their Who all. Who was the jazz musician? Well, there's been a couple jazz musicians. Uh, Taj Mahal? Uh, the one or, that was Francine's hmm. uncle. Oh, Josh Redman. Josh Redman, who, you know, I'm sure is an incredible jazz musician, but not necessarily uh, the most uh, expressive voice actor. Same with the architect. I think the architect is the gold standard. Fra- Frank, of- Frank Gehry. 
Yeah, Frank Gehry, God love him. You know, I don't expect architects to be the most, like, extroverted, you know, uh, no. uh, uh, theatrical folk. Um, so Frank Gehry might be the gold standard in terms of guest appearance monotoneness. Uh, but yeah, this is this is definitely a uh, an actor of the theater. Sebastian doesn't win either. He has had this little tag-along uh, doctrine who's been his sort of... S- not servant, but like um, crony, I suppose, who hasn't said a word. Apparently, the doction wins off screen. And I don't know. That's it. <laughs> like, we have a bit of a, I don't, I, I don't know. The resolution was something to the effect of like, oh, you know, winning isn't everything. I don't, I don't That's care. right. The, the, I, don't the, I guess the, the, the final conclusion, and I did kind of like this because I, I feel this way. I'm a hater. I'm a professional hater. Mm-hmm. So I get, a, I get my daily dose of schadenfreude where I need it. Um, they just cared that the poodle didn't win as well. Like that was the thing. It's like <laughs> a dog that we never saw ended up winning the whole competition. Sure. So everybody got what they wanted, question mark. And now a word from Ben and Jesse. And now a word from us kids. This is probably my favorite part of the episode. So yeah. we have... Save, we have, save. <laughs> so we have Ben, who is... He says he's 11 years old, so he's a little bit older than the typical Arthur subjects we get. And his dog, Jesse, who is almost two... Um, uh, what's Lucas? What's the what do you think's the breed on Jesse? Oh gosh, you're asking. I, I'm not. Uh, it's funny. I, like I'm a, not a dog like, breed like, guy either. Like a doodle? Like maybe a doodle? Perhaps that I don't sounds know. right. She she she's a pretty she's a pretty big dog. I, be, I believe she's a doodle of some type. So this is just Ben taking Jesse to a dog park. He's explaining how dog training works. He's also working with a professional dog trainer named Vera, and why it's important to train your dog and what what it all entails. You know, as we said, Ben is eleven. Jesse is almost two years old. It was all worth it to see Jesse. Jesse is very cute. And Ben's a pretty good trainer. Um, he has taught her quite a bit for a dog that is probably still with the puppy mentality a little bit. And she's very responsive. And she's she's a good she's a good girl. Like I think we both I think we both love Jesse. Um, Lucas, because you are the dog owner of the two of us, and you've mentioned a couple of times that you have that you have a dog who you care for very much. What was it like to to train your dog? How did it take to training? Oh, geez. Well, you're kind of mischaracterizing my situation, Will. Uh, growing up, uh, uh, it was more so my parents' dog than my dog, uh, who still lives with my parents. Um, if anything, I'm doing more dog training now with my roommate's dog, who, again, my mm. roommate did a bunch of the, most of the lame work with, the, uh, with, uh, with that guy. Um, I'm just kind of continuing his good sense. But everything that Jesse puts forward that's what was my one note for this segment was that um everything sorry not jesse but everything that ben kind of proposes in this segment is all solid advice um and so they kind of talk to the right person i'm also not a dog owner however um those in the in the patreon discord know that occasionally i take care of a little dog named mackie who belongs to friends of ours and our friends are very good trainers um and they have trained him very well. He still has his little moments, but uh, I'm going to get to see Mackie very soon. So this was a this was a, this was a real feel good. Uh, this is the kind of dog content we want to see on Arthur. So please, more of this. Hi everybody, it's Lucas, your favorite co-host from Elwood City Limits. Um, I want to remind you folks that if you like listening to the podcast, first and foremost, the best way to spread the love is to tell a friend who is interested in Arthur or podcasts or animation or hearing about Nova Scotia for some reason. But there's some other things you could do as well. For instance, you can follow us on social media. Twitter is at ECL Podcast. The Instagram is at Elwood City Limits. My pet project, the Twitch channel, which we do live streams on sometimes, twitch.tv slash Elwood City Limits Pod. And we also have a Facebook and Tumblr as well. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits. That's where Will has been diligently uploading all of the episodes if they're not on your podcast listening service of choice if they aren't on one of those services let us know you can reach out to us on social media or via email at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com 
Finally, the Patreon is where you can find all of our paywall content, patreon.com slash Limits. This gives you access to the Discord, where we have a bustling community, as well as some exclusive videos, audio bonuses, such as commentary for the various Arthur movies and more, as well as some of our additional podcasts for the kids, is where me and Will uh, cover all the PBS shows that aren't Arthur, as well as ECL Origins, where we really talk about any show from our childhood that we want. Uh, and most importantly, you get early access to every episode of ECL. You get to flex on your friends that you're getting it a week early. You can join for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And now, back to the show. Speaking of dogs, uh, this one's called Dog's Best Friend, and the cold open is Amigo, again, hosting a show called Pet Owner Whisperer, which is a program for how to train your owner. So it's, the dog trains the owner as much as the owner trains the dog, you know, and at the end, uh, he's, he's, Amigo is actually talking about Arthur in this case, and then Pal gets on Amigo's case a little bit about how he is Arthur's dog, not Amigo. That is the idea behind the episode, is that Amigo is in Arthur's care. Arthur's looking after Amigo while Alberto goes to the hockey championships. And so Amigo and Pal uh, are buddies around the house, and they're learning about each other's, um, I guess, styles, I suppose. Amigo is trained not to beg for food, much like... Uh, little dog Mackie, who in real life, uh, his our friends trained him to not beg for food. He doesn't even; they don't associate cooking in the kitchen with food. So when they're cooking or when they're eating, Mackie doesn't even really know that that's food. He doesn't eat people food really. Oh, wow. um, so that's that's their way around it. Whereas Pal very much begs for food from the table, which we've seen many many times. Lucas. Pal makes his begging face here, and again, we are yeah. we are we you know we're still getting used to the new way that Arthur looks. I'd say it's mostly going well, but they do this big close up on Pal's face, and it's meant to be puppy dog eyes. But what it looks like to me is, do you remember those books from when we were younger that taught you how to draw anime? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, yeah, and, and for the listeners at home, if you Google image like how to draw anime, there's a bunch of these where uh, you could tell that it's not a professional putting together these how to draw anime tutorials, and they are kind of capturing the spirit of the medium, but not necessarily uh, to the letter. Uh, a good another comparison would be like that TV show Kappa Mikey which was a Western TV show about what if a Western cartoon character was like hanging out with a bunch of anime characters. Uh, but because it was being made by a Western animation studio, uh, everything looked off and not quite like how anime actually looks. And you're well, totally right. This this flash animated uh, pouty face, they're trying to go for hyper cute here with the big eyes, and it just ends up looking weird. Well, right, and especially when you and I were younger, those how to draw like manga, how to draw anime faces were very like it was weirdly through like a Western lens, so it looked uncanny compared to what anime actually looked like. And now I think you get a better sense of it now because anime is so much more integrated into Western entertainment that you can more easily reproduce a facsimile of anime back instead of the early 2000s when anime was still trying to find its way over here. Anyway, this face was very uncanny, didn't like it, uh, and it's just not fun to look at in that specific sense. So one of the th one thing that Arthur wants to do while Alberto is gone, Alberto tells him that he's trying to get Amigo to learn how to catch a ball. So Arthur wants to Train Amigo how to do this while Alberto's gone, and it will really impress him. And in fact, Arthur thinks he can train Amigo to do, to like fly and even like float off the ground. He's so assured of his dog training. Like, he's like, I'm great with dogs. But Amigo, mm, it's not really getting it. And from their point of view, he just doesn't see the point, especially when he's like, like, why would I want to catch the ball? It's dirty. So Pal gives him the inside scoop of like, this is what Arthur is telling you 
what telling you to do. So then Amigo catches the ball, and then Arthur is very, very loving towards Amigo. In fact, everyone in this episode is really complimentary towards Amigo, to the point where it gets a little weird with some of the characters, like especially Kate and later Nemo. They're very like, like, oh, Amigo is so big and strong and friendly and protective. And it's just like, all right, calm down. Let's uh-huh. you know, getting a little, little thirsty for Amigo. It's weird. This whole the- thing is kind of reminiscent of, do you remember the episode? This is like a season one, I feel like, episode where um, Brain comes over to Arthur's house to stay the night. And yes yeah everybody is all impressed with brain arthur's mom's like brain has br- alan's got such good manners and why yes. can't you be more like alan and it makes arthur jealous until he actually goes to brain's house and then sees how brain is in his own house this is essentially the exact same plot uh just with now the dogs uh because the same thing happens with pal pal starts to get jealous of all this attention that amigo is receiving Absolutely. And I thought of that while I was watching it as well. Now, it's been long enough that you can, you know, do at least a soft reappropriation of that plot and just do the dogs instead. And it's not doesn't completely stand out as like a ripoff or something. But yes, I also caught that, too. Now, I will say Pal gets very gets very jealous. This does lead to a funny scene that I liked, which was Arthur keeps throwing Amigo the ball and catches it, and he's like, oh, good boy. And Pal even counts the amount of times that he addressed Amigo as good boy. To the point where Pal ends up having to play fetch with himself, and he throws it against the wall of the garage while saying, nice catch, Pal. Good boy. Nice catch, Pal. Good boy. And it's it's, it's, it's funny because it's pathetic. I, 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 yes. I laughed at that. I can't lie. This- this is my highlight of the two episodes was the Joker, the Jokerfication of Pal. <laughs> Pal starting to lose his mind and bounce the ball against the wall like he's friggin' um, Steve McQueen in The Great Escape, mm. uh, you know, psychologically breaking. Uh, this was this was my highlight as well. And this is where Pal runs into uh, Nemo, who we mentioned earlier, which is Francine's cat, who is the frequently the antagonist of the Pal stories, and. Nemo suggests that Pal should make it so that nobody likes Amigo anymore. So Pal tries to implicate Amigo in a sting. He's trying to make it look as though Amigo destroyed Arthur's shoe. But Pal realizes that that's not a nice thing to do. He has this whole dream sequence where Amigo is tried in court over destroying Arthur's shoe and is sentenced to the pound, which is in this reality, dog jail in Pal's dream. And Amigo says while he's on the other side, we only eat vegetables and we get three baths a day. So just everything that dogs would hate. And Nemo is also a warden in the pound. So Pal, Pal actually- uh, I also want to, yeah. before we move on from this, the sentencing sequence, for some reason, it's like a British court. Yeah. Like the Union Jack is in the back and the judge has like the wig like they have there. Uh, and- this was just strange, like how dog dog court is essentially, uh, you know, the crowd court in England. Very weird. Yeah, I guess it goes along with Pal being British or something. Oh, question yeah, mark. Maybe. I, I don't know. Uh, Pal actually wakes up crying, which is like dogs can't cry in that way, right? So he decides not to go through with it. There's a. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not being serious about this. I don't actually. Like, I'm not actually asking the question. I did wonder idly, though. So we see Pal give Amigo the sneaker in his sleep, and then he takes it back. When he walks in to take it back, we don't see this, but, like, the light turns on in the front room. And I'm like, wait a minute. How did Pal turn on the light switch in the living room? It's There's a couple of things that he does in this that are like, well, Pal doesn't have thumbs, so... Or hands, so I don't know how he does that. Or he picks up a cookie jar later, and I'm like, I don't know about that. But anyway, I'm not being not being serious about it. So he decides not to go through with it, and he's so stricken with guilt that he decides to run away from home. We even get him saying goodbye to Arthur while Arthur's sleeping. He does this little thing where he tucks Arthur in. Uh, and I thought that was cute, but he takes his little hobo bindle and pals the little, the real littlest hobo here. He's going to go and, uh, maybe tomorrow he'll, uh, he'll find a new home for himself. Mm. 
But as he's leaving, he sees Amigo on the front porch of his own home. And Amigo has run away because he feels bad about everything that went on as well. And then it starts to rain. They both go inside and they decide that, uh, well, they might as well just hoot it up as dogs. So they have a big stuff of like things that they wouldn't normally do because they're good dogs. So they're like, they run on the furniture. They like get dirt everywhere. They take down the cookie jar that has all the dog biscuits in it. And they both end up getting in trouble. And so that the ruined shoe isn't placed on either one of them, but both of them in the end, when Alberto comes to pick Amigo up, he intentionally forgets or intentionally doesn't catch the ball because he realizes how important it is for pal to be Arthur's dog and for Alberto to teach him that trick. So presumably next time Alberto tries that will, it'll happen. But uh, yeah, he kind of puts pal back in the number one position and that's where we end off. Anyway, not to be, not to be kind of a downer here, but this was, uh, I, I mean, hey, maybe maybe they put all the dog and baby episodes at the front of the Ooh, season. One can only hope, yeah. Maybe they front-loaded it. But let's quickly talk about this, because obviously neither of us had a lot of notes on either episode. Um, so, Lucas, show off anything really to say about that? Show off was almost like, it's been a while since we've had an Arthur episode that's not just boring, but, like, structurally bad. Yeah. Like, show off the the plot. Like, there's no plot. Like, we spent the first... I was shocked when I just checked the time code because I didn't watch... I didn't look, pay attention to this on first watch. But, yeah, we don't get introduced to the kind of main plot of the episode until a good eight minutes in, which is three quarters of the Arthur episode. And then we get a little bit of the competition at the end, which is kind of the most engaging part. And then it just kind of wraps up with nobody winning. Um, so a pretty bad episode, all things considered. Um, and I, it's fun, you know, fun guest performance. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's just a shame that this is a character that just kind of already exists in the dog and baby episode. So it feels really uh, pointless. Um, that's, that's, I think the main phrase I would use is the whole thing kind of felt pointless here. Yeah. It's definitely not a good opener for a season and pretty disappointing in terms of just getting things started really well. I didn't, I didn't like this very much at all. Aside from Alan coming really appreciated that. And I guess we get a sighting of like, you know, killer is still around. I don't dislike killer as a character. So that's cool and all, but this didn't do anything to convince me that these types of episodes are anything that I'm super interested in. I will say that for the the second part, uh, Dog's Best Friend, that at least had a couple of moments that made me laugh. It's kind of, I feel similarly the same way, but as you said, Lucas, um, the show-off is even just kind of not very good. Uh, Dog's Best Friend, also not all that good but at least it made me laugh a couple of times yeah and had a bit of a better idea i suppose but uh yeah it, uh, nothing really to say about that either dog's best friend is also not a good episode but is not as bad as show off because there is even though it's a well-treaded story that's kind of a ripoff of an old Arthur episode. Uh, at least it has kind of a moral through line. There's an A to B to C. There's structure, um, and there is a couple gags and jokes that actually made me chuckle. Specifically, the dream sequence I think is the highlight of the episode. Seeing mm -hmm. uh, Amigo in prison, having to talk through like one of those prison speakers. Uh, that was pretty funny, as well as the smash cut to like. Uh, pal putting his face in the sand, uh, crying. Uh, but yeah, again, not a fan of these dog and baby episodes, and uh, these two uh, aren't doing anything to change that opinion. No, certainly not yet. But hey, it, it's got to go up from here, right? We, we're only just beginning. We've we've got so much more of season seventeen. So let's hope that they we got all the vegetables out of the way, and now we're getting to the better part of. The meal that is season 17. So thank you very much for joining us. And as always, if you have thoughts on these episodes, let us know at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. So seems like a good time to talk about what's going to be happening uh, for patrons this month. 
Of course, if you're a patron on patreon.com slash Limits, you get early access, a week's early access to the new episodes of Elwood City Limits. And you also get complete premium access. This is something the free feed doesn't get. They get a preview of this, but you get the full thing of For the Kids, PBS Kids Podcast, and ECL Origins, which is our newer show. And we're do- we swap them out each monthly. And this month it's going to be ECL Origins and... I had this one. I had this one in the chamber for a little while, and I, uh, I put, it, I put it to you, Lucas, and it looks like it's time for us to talk about a formative part of our development online. We're going to be talking about Homestar Runner. That's right. The ECL Origins. It's all about what we want to talk about, and mm-hmm. it does not have to be a TV show. So we're going to be talking about. It's still a cartoon. Um, but a, a webtoon, if you will, I'm very excited. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of ways that we can tackle this. Obviously, we'll be talking about the history of it, and that'll be really cool to look up. There's it, it, Because it's, you know, not a cartoon that aired on terrestrial TV, there's going to be a lot more resources out there for information about how it started, why it started, when it started, and we're going to have our pick of the litter in terms of what we're going to be watching and talking about from it. So we'll be sure to let you know, uh, especially if you're a patron, but you can expect that at the end of the month. And yes, I'm very excited to be talking about Homestar, which for both of us, I think, was a, a big part of different parts of our of our uh, our youth, let's say, because uh, I think we would have been in two different age brackets by the time we're watching that. Then next time on ECL Prime, we're going to be getting into more of season 17. So we got the two dog and baby episodes. Okay. Next episode is going to be Adventures in Bud Alon and LaDonna Compson Party Animal. Oh, man. Wow. Season 17 marches on, folks. The Lord is testing me. <laughs> let's see. Let's see if maybe we can make something out of these two newer characters who in season 16 weren't necessarily our favorites, but we've only just begun to get to know them. So let's see if we can uh, get on their good sides as we continue on with Elwood City Limits. And thank you so much for listening to this episode. Whether you join us on Patreon or here on the free feed, thanks for enabling us to do 16 full seasons of Arthur and even more with our bonus content. And now we move into season 17 for another full 10 episodes of Arthur. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... Never take the advice of a cat, Kate. Now I'll stick my head in that hole. Well, that's a good one. We'll see you next time.